0: All right, so back to another uh, episode of Cutting Room Floor. This last Sunday, Aaron, you talked about Isaiah. Uh, you talked about how that's even applied in the New Testament, mm-hmm. sort of this idea of light coming into darkness, this very sort of robust Advent theme. Sure, yeah. Now, one of the things I'm sort of curious about, right? So you're quoting about Isaiah, right? Mm-hmm. Seven, 800 years before the first Christmas. Yeah. How does Isaiah see that verse, right? So he penned it. Totally. The Israelites are reading it. Yeah. But how does he understand what he's doing?
1: Totally, yeah. Which is, that's a very interesting question and one that uh, is, you know, on one level, kind of hard to wrap your head around because sure, we're you, not there. We're not there, yeah, yeah. for one thing. <laughs> but then you also have Isaiah. And we have, as much as we want to you know, put those verses on our Christmas cards and whatnot, which is fine and good, Isaiah was writing in a, in a historical moment in yeah. his day. Like he and had a need, he was addressing Exactly them right. So like his words meant something to his original audience. Yeah. Um and so and specifically when we're talking about Isaiah nine, which is the for unto us a child is born, yeah. a light shining in the darkness, we sure. talked about on Sunday. Uh even you go back a couple chapters before that yeah. to Isaiah seven, you kind of have the semi-famous Emmanuel. Sure. This child will be called Emmanuel, God yeah. with us. And so even in that scenario there, from chapter seven to nine, if you broaden out even a little bit more from the beginning of Isaiah to right around the, the teens, if you sure, will, sure. of the book of Isaiah, you're in a historical moment where Israel's because mainly because of their own folly and their own dumb choices For are sure. going their own way, yeah. partly because of terrible leadership under yeah. King Ahaz and various other kings. And so there becomes this role of the prophet to oftentimes confront Israel's leaders okay. in moments like this. And one of the things that I think Isaiah is doing is saying essentially, and it can be more complex than this, but essentially saying, we need new leadership around here. There needs to be, and there will be a new King who will be called Emmanuel, who God will be with us as this new King comes. Uh, A new child is going to be born. Um, There's kind of this uh, point in the, in that early chapters of Isaiah where I think Isaiah is doing exactly that talking to King Ahaz in a sense.
0: Yeah, saying, hey, your replacement is going to be born.
1: Exactly, right. Yeah. And so there's this kind of this near fulfillment. There's okay. this near uh, relevance to yeah. what Isaiah is doing that uh, we can get to the, the Jesus part. Sure. But just pause on that for a second, that yeah. there's a real relevance to what Isaiah is saying yeah. seven eight hundred years before Jesus is even on the scene.
0: Yeah, so not everyone's sitting there like, whoa, I wonder what this is going to mean. Yeah. They think, oh, no, 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 this is like a threat to Ahaz. Totally, yeah. Um, and so there's like a near and a far. How do, how can you give us something like a way to understand that? Yeah, like an image or I don't know. Totally,
1: yeah. And this is an original to me, but I've heard and it, it's it's helpful to have this picture of thinking about it. Pro- biblical prophecy in this sense of like a yeah. mountain range. Okay. So when I look out, like say like I'm from Washington and the Cascade mountains sure. up in Washington, we live fairly close to Mount Baker yeah. and Mount Rainier yeah. and you can see these beautiful epic mountain peaks in the yeah. distance. But, as you look out, it's often hard to see like how far is that peak compared to that peak? Or even sizes. In sizes. They they kind of, as the distance grows, they merge together. Exactly. And so when we're thinking about kind of how God is working through these biblical writers, inspiring them to write what we have in our scriptures, there is this aspect where Maybe in Isaiah's mind, he's writing about something where there's both a near and a far fulfillment yeah. and to his mind and to the audience's mind. And as these scriptures kind of get passed down, it's hard to like, sometimes distinguish in the moment yes. how near and how far yeah, is what Isaiah is talking yeah. about.
0: And so maybe he has sort of both in mind. Yeah. I'm like I'm pretty sure, you know, if I'm Isaiah, like pretty sure this relates to Ahaz. Yeah. But maybe there's more. Totally. Uh, that God will do with this. Yeah. So then one other question I have, like, you know, we go into Advent and it feels like, I don't know if you've heard the phrase like cherry picking, Mm -hmm, like, uh, like, I I think, I think back to like, I think it's basketball. It's like, you don't hustle down and (laughs) you just stand on the other Other side of the court and someone throws it all all the way down and you're like, stop cherry picking. But it's this sense of like, you just pick the easy thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it sort of feels like a little bit that way sometimes with like Christmas verses. Sure. it's like, we're going to pick these three verses in this 60 page, 60 chapter book yeah. and say, Oh, Isaiah's all about Christmas yeah. or Jesus. And it's like, well, actually there's a lot going on. Totally. There. I don't know. Help me to understand like both that that's okay. And Mm -hmm. maybe think about it a little more sophisticated. Totally.
1: Yeah. So I think this is important to get is like, oftentimes, especially, you know, during the holiday season at Christmas, we take Isaiah nine or Isaiah seven, or, you know, name your Christmas card passage from the prophets of choice. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of use that to say, okay, this is automatically talking about Jesus. And then what I think often happens is that we forget that, especially within the biblical narrative of Isaiah and the broader Old Testament, that there is a whole storyline Happening there. Yeah. And so there's this aspect where at least it's helpful for me to think about it like this, is that when we're thinking about like Isaiah 9 and the prophecies about Jesus, like what Isaiah is tapping into, what the biblical prophets are tapping into, is this much, I think, larger need yeah. where Israel, as they've continued ever, really ever since Genesis 3, to kind of go their own way. Yeah. Israel, by the time you get to Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the biblical prophets, they're basically in a state of exile. This, they're not in their land or they're soon to be kicked out of the promised land. Mm -hmm. And even when they do come back to the promised land, it's not how it's supposed to be. And there's this longing, there's this kind of angst, if you will, there's this hope that God would come back and reestablish his kingdom. He would make it like the garden of Eden, but better. And that God would dwell with his people, Again, and so it's into this much larger narrative that these biblical writers are speaking. What we now look back on as that was talking about Jesus, yeah, but it's in this historical moment of things are not the way they're supposed to be.
0: Yeah, I think you earlier we were talking, you were you riffed on oh, come, come, Emmanuel. Oh, yeah like that verse
1: totally. Yeah. So like we sing, we just even on Sunday, we're singing that hymn and what I love about these like rich theological hymns is that they're getting at these things. They're tapping yeah. into this narrative. So O come O come Emmanuel, ransom captive Israel. Israel is in a state of captivity yeah. in the time of Isaiah, uh, ransom captive Israel who mourns in lonely exile Yeah. here. And so exile is this crucial, crucial moment, both yeah. in Israel's history and as a biblical theme. Yeah to really get at that Jesus is coming into a state of exile yeah. where they're not and in you, their you true home. That
0: out a little bit. So like another sort of, I think, confusing piece here is like, so you have, right. We were talking about sort of Isaiah's perspective, the near and the far of the mountain range. Idea. Yeah. We were just talking about sort of the larger story and then the verses within it yeah. that are kind of maybe like highlight. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a good way to put it. And then you have like, I think this third element you're getting at is like when you get to the first century, there is this cultural expectation. Yeah. So this isn't like a few Christians were like, Ooh, cool verses or, Oh, let's look at the story this way. Yeah. There's like a whole culture at that moment. That's reading the text and looking for ways to interpret. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And so there's even, there's, uh, there's so many different communities within first central Israel that you have the, Dead Sea Scrolls community yeah. in the Qumran caves you have all these different texts from like Maccabees that are even outside of what we would consider you know scripture, scripture the canon of scripture where there is this uh, really this deep anticipation yeah. and this culture of we're looking for Yahweh to come back we're yeah. looking for this messiah figure we're looking yeah. for things to be restored in Jerusalem yeah. so that all can be Well, and well. Even,
0: like you talk about Dead Sea Scrolls and Qumran if people aren't familiar with that like there's a whole group of people that literally move out into the wilderness yeah. and are like God's coming back. Totally. Uh, yeah. Uh, the king is coming, right? Yeah. This is like their whole life. This is in the first century. So there's this like real momentum, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And momentum happening. So then how do you get to the writing of the New Testament, right? Yeah. So you have like the fermenting, then you have Jesus's birth, mm-hmm. then how do you sort of explain how we get to Matthew or Luke? Totally referring back to these prophets. Yeah,
1: so this is interesting because you have on one hand you have Jesus in the incarnation where God becomes human yeah. and he lives his life, you know, here on earth. And the book of Luke talks about how Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with yeah. God and man. So Jesus is, you know, reading these scriptures, he's meditating on them, and yeah. he, on one level, in see- a community, in the community, right? So he's in the synagogue. He's in the synagogue. It's yeah. the Luke two passage there, like, and he's seeing himself and coming to realize and, and understanding that he is the Messiah. He is the son of God. He is the son of man. Yeah. He is the one that all of Israel's prophets and scriptures were pointing towards. So yeah. he himself identifies yeah. as that role. And we don't know
0: exactly how that Exactly Which is like, which is
1: fascinating to me. Yeah. It's like a huge rabbit hole I'd love to yeah. <laughs> dive into. But then, so he's uh, living this life out as the, the Messiah, as God incarnate teaching and he's about teaching it. about it. Right. Yeah. And so there's all this, you kind of get, you pick up on this a little bit with the disciples where he has to kind of course correct their assumptions yeah. of what it means for him to be the Messiah, the son of God. I think yeah. of the time where uh, Jesus asks the disciples, who do people say that I am? Yeah, yeah. And Peter responds, you're the Messiah, the yeah. son of the living God. And then he has to correct Peter because. At that moment, Jesus is like, but the Son of Man's going to suffer and die. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Because he doesn't have a category for a suffering, dying Messiah.
0: Same with the end of Luke and the road to Emmaus. The road to Emmaus, yeah. Jesus then interprets the scriptures. The scriptures. Yeah.
1: And so, this is what you get as Jesus is showing them what it means for God to come back, what it means for God to become human. And so, as the disciples and that first generation kind of receive that, they are reading, they're both reading and reflecting on their Hebrew Bible, their Old Testament, and their ministry and time with Jesus. And so, you know, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, begin to compile these texts and pass them along, and they become what we now consider the the four Gospels, the Acts, the rest of the New Testament letters, where they come to recognize that so much of what the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, was talking about was Jesus and was pointing to Him and the need for Him, God, to become human, To enter into our brokenness and mess and Jesus fulfills that storyline.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So the three things we talked about were sort of, uh, first was how does Isaiah understand himself sort of the near and the fall of the prophetic. Then we talked about sort of key verses, Mm -hmm. but also those fit within a story. Yeah. And then even the formation of like, how does the new Testament community start to understand itself in relation to these prophecies through Jesus's teaching, self understanding also through their cultural moment. Yeah. Uh, And then ultimately through these writers inspired by the Holy spirit to include some of these verses in the beginning of Luke and Matthew, as we're reading about these admins. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's cool. So thanks man.
1: Totally.